I think we all know the feeling. Once all the dust is settled from a busy but fun holiday season and you're reflecting back on all the parties, presents, and people you love, and you can't help but smile. But then reality starts to set in and you start thinking about how much money you spent on all the parties, presents, and people you love. For me, that's when I start to dread checking my credit card bill and looking at my account. Today, we're gonna to talk to you about how to combat that dread and how you can get on track after the holiday season. This is Wallet Watch, brought to you by MSU, Federal Credit Union, and OU Credit Union. I'm your host, Catherine. And I'm Devante. And today we have a very special guest with us. We have Sarah Fleming. Sarah is a community development coordinator here at the Credit Union, and we're so excited to have her today. Hey, Sarah. Hey, y'all. Like Devante mentioned, I am a community development coordinator here at MSU Federal Credit Union. Very, very, very excited to be a guest on Wallet Watch. I have been a fan of the podcast for quite some time, so I'm very excited to finally get my five minutes of fame and talk about budgeting <laughs> and recovering after the holiday season. Yes. Just to give some background information on me, prior to the credit union, I did go to MSU, so I'm an MSU grad. Go green. Go white. And outside of that, I am also a photographer. Um, you can find me on Instagram, flimmy.jpg. Um, I have my own podcast, The Millennial Wind Down. And I think that's a good background on me. But you'll get to know a little bit more about me and my budgeting style and all that stuff as we get further into the episode. Alrighty, so like you heard Sarah talk about, we're going to be talking about recovering after the holidays as far as your budget is concerned. So, how did you all do during the holidays? Poorly. <laughs> and now I'm poorly. <laughs> Relatable. I think for me, um, I actually didn't spend much during the holiday time um, just because I was trying to budget a little bit better. Um, I made a big purchase, I got a new car, and I had to start budgeting car notes into that. So my family and friends already had a heads up. I'm like, we're just gonna skip Christmas this year. Um, I did some holiday gifts, of course, uh, within the company, like with um, Secret Santa and things like that. But outside of that, I really did not spend too much. And it was really hard, because I am a giver. <laughs> but I think it was a smart choice. Yeah. For me, I did end up spending more than I would have liked. I mean, I love giving gifts and I love the holidays and all that, but I didn't plan ahead this year. And because of that, I waited to the last minute and had to pay for shipping or pay full price for items when I could have gotten things on sale and things like that. So I ended up spending more than I thought I would. And now I've got to get back on track. How about you? How'd you do? Um, so-so. So I bought a house in November. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. That meant my credit union account was a little low. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I still managed to get like a few gifts. Okay, so since we kind of talked about how, you know, everybody spent their money or didn't spend their money over the holidays, um, I think an important thing to think about is like if you set budgeting or anything like that as your New Year's resolution or just wanting to get things back on track, you got to figure out your why. Like, why do I need to budget? Mm-hmm. I know for me, I already kind of mentioned the car. Um, I also have an apartment, so I know I have to pay my rent. Um, any credit card bills that I may have, phone bill, any other type of like utilities, things like that. I try to budget to make sure that I don't have to depend on anybody else to get me the things that I need to get. Mm -hmm. um, so making sure that I take care of my needs first and then want second is my main thing for budgeting. Also, I'm at that 
point where I'm trying to be like a peak adulter and just like really take care of all my stuff and get my business taken care of ahead of time. Um, it actually brings me a little bit of joy to pay my bills early and then have my little spending money set aside. So that's my why behind budgeting. Yeah. Independent woman doing it for herself. <laughs> <laughs> I'll second that. So for me, it's peace of mind you know, making sure that my needs are taken care of, my roof over my head, I have gas in my car so I can get to work, pay the bills, everything like that, and then want seconds. So that might be a new car someday or a vacation or something like that. But peace of mind first, so I know that when I go to pay for something, it's gonna go through. And then second, so I can save more money, you know, for the future. Mm -hmm. Budgeting is fun. Like for me, like I like writing all my bills down and then paying them. Now I don't like the once we get on the other side of it and my account has been depleted, but <laughs> like, I just, I don't know what it is. I just find it fun. But I also do it to, you know, save more money and things like that. Like I knew that I wanted to buy a house before I turned 25. So saving money was really, really important. And I knew the way to maximize that was to really set out a budget. Mm-hmm. So when you budget, um, I know you kind of mentioned writing down like your bills and things like that. Do you use an Excel sheet um, or do you like actually have the paper and pen and like write everything out and budget that way? I have a little black budget book and I write everything down. Um, I tried Excel spreadsheets, but one wrong keystroke and, and then boom, it's <laughs> over. Mm -hmm. Nobody has time for that. Not in my book. And then I tried also using different apps. The notifications annoyed me. But I really also think it's because I started out using a budget book. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how my mom taught me how to budget. So yeah. Yeah. that's just what I stuck with. I think it's amazing when I see the spreadsheets. I'm like, ooh. Yeah, yeah like color-coded. Nice. and yes. yeah, real fancy with it. Even yeah. the templates that Excel has. Because um, I've also tried to use Excel sheets for my budget. I'm not a big fan of it either. Um, I think when it comes to retaining information for me and processing things, I'm a very visual learner. Um, I'm also very hands-on, so I don't necessarily have a little black budgeting book, but anytime I'm like setting out my budget for the month, I do like take a big sheet of paper um, or a page out of my notebook and I do kind of write everything out. I feel like when I do that, I remember my budget even like weeks in like weeks ahead. It still stays in my mind because I can remember when I wrote it down and I know everything from that little snapshot I got when I write everything out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Also not a big fan of the budgeting apps either. I feel like they're not as up to date as you would expect them to be given the fact that you did give all your information over. And I don't like the notifications. I think it's cute to remind me that I'm going over my budget. <laughs> but if I'm out with my friends or out on a date, that is not their business to look over on my phone. And it's like, Sarah, you went over your budget again this month. What's going on? Um, but that's just my take on it. I can see why they would be helpful for people, but yeah. they're not for me. Yeah, very cool. So talking about how we budget, little black books and spreadsheets and all that, um, let's talk about what kind of budgeters are out there. Have you guys, are you familiar with the different types of budgeters? A little bit, um, but can you just give me like some different options mm -hmm. on the different types of budgeters there are? So I feel like at the credit union, we talk a lot about there are six kinds. I'm sure there are more out there and really, I think I'm a combination of a few of these. So, you know, this is kind of unique to your personality maybe. Right. <clears throat> but. The six types that we'll talk about are giver, planner, merger, hoarder, separatist, and YOLOist. I know that's a lot. Yeah. 
<laughs> YOLO got me. YOLO. <laughs> I am 100% a giver. Like, that's really an issue for Hard me. to say no. Yeah, hard to say no. I'm the youngest of 11, mm-hmm. so it's quite a lot of people above me. But basically, a giver gives significant amounts of money to others, and it may be a hindrance to reaching their own financial goals. That's been, like, one of my things for, I wouldn't even say 2020, but as I continue to matriculate into adulthood and all of that, is to really think about my household Mm -hmm. and the amount of money that I'm taking out of it to give to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to give, but having limits is important. Knowing limits is important. Yeah. It's now a budget item. Part of me also matriculating into adulthood is giving a little bit less. I'm understanding that my love for people is shown in ways that don't necessarily have to mean depleting my pockets. Uh, But I just love to do the most. Like when it comes to (laughs) gifts or parties or everything, I'm that friend who will be like, I know my friend likes X, Y, and Z. So I'm gonna get them the best X, Y, and Z they could possibly have when I could really be spending my money other ways. And even if I don't get my friend the best or X, Y, and Z, maybe I just get them Y or just Z, they will still be happy. Yeah. And if I tell them, hey, I can't afford X, Y, or Z this time, they'll be like, it's okay, just show up. And I do that and it's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, So just kind of working through that is what I'm aiming to do. So I definitely would say I'm a giver, um, a little bit of a YOLOist at times, only because, I don't know, once you save up so much, just seeing like, oh, I can spend a little on me, I can splurge a little. And honestly, a little bit, like I feel like me being a YOLOist, but in moderation has kind of worked for me. Um, as long as I don't go crazy with it, which I haven't, I try to kind of keep that to a minimum. So what's a YOLOist? Oh, so a YOLOist is someone, <laughs> I hate to describe myself in this way and then tell you what it is. <laughs> so a YOLOist is essentially someone who has no regard for money. I can make it so I can spend it mentality. Now that sounds very extreme, but when you think about it for me, um, looking at it in moderation as far as, okay, I've saved this, I can afford to spend this, then let's go ahead, YOLO. We gonna go to this expensive restaurant for this time. Um, But making sure I don't do that every weekend Mm -hmm. um, or do that every single month, just doing it in moderation is how I try to um, keep that maintained. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'm used to be a hardcore YOLOist and I'm slowly you know in my adult life getting away from that which is good but I can remember like when I was in high school working my part-time job I'd get my check I'd go cash it and I'd go to the mall and spend it all immediately immediately like, I used to do the same thing <laughs> <laughs> and I just think now like if I had saved five or ten dollars from every single paycheck I've ever gotten like how much money I don't know I haven't calculated it but how much money I would have now like I'm sure I could go on vacation or just continue saving it or invest it or, you know. So I'm definitely a recovering YOLOist, but I agree. It's okay to have like every once in a while, like I want to splurge on this one item because you do work hard. I work hard for my money. And so I want to get something new every once in a while. I'm also, I guess, working on becoming a planner. So I think that's really anybody who budgets is a little bit of a planner, right? Mm -hmm. So that's helping me get away from the YOLOist mentality, I'd say. Yeah. I think I'm also trying to get more of a planner. I think the being a planner is kind of underlined, like you said, in like all budgeting and things like that. So my underlying budgeting style is planner, but mm-hmm. still definitely a giver and an occasional YOLOist. Yeah. Yeah. Now really thinking about it, I guess I'm also kind of like a merger too, just because I 
just bought a house with someone else. So you really don't have a choice in being a merger in that, mm -hmm. right? Like you have to kind of merge your finances with someone else. And that's really what that particular approach or what that type of budget is. It's just that you have to merge your finances with someone else. It could be that you live in the same household or maybe you help take care of them, whatever it is that it may be. Mm -hmm. And then a hoarder doesn't spend money frivolously and holds on to as much as they can. I feel like this sounds like, oh, they're great with their money, but I feel like it's important to remember like how they're saving their money. Like if they're keeping it in their couch cushions at home, mm -hmm. that's not great because it's not really safe there and it's not earning any interest. So if it's a yeah. hoarder that maybe saves all their money in investments or in a credit union, that's great. What about like a separatist? Um, that's someone who would prefer for money to be completely separate of others um, and they may have separate, I mean, multiple accounts. Um, I know you kind of mentioned that you were a merger, so I know you say that you kind of don't really have a choice because you are living with someone else, but I've had like family members, they're definitely pro-separatists as far as um, keeping their money completely separate from the other person that they have a house with. What are you guys' thoughts on that? I don't know. I feel like that makes it, for me, if I had shared expenses with someone, that would make it difficult to budget. But I guess it, I'm sure it works for some people. I guess I'm in a similar boat that I live under the same roof as someone else. And so we have one shared account and then we each have our own separate account. So we're a little bit of both. So I have my own money still, but then anything that is shared, split groceries, pay for utilities and everything out of this merged account. So I don't know. I would, I would say that it's interesting. I feel like the different types of budgeters definitely depends on your personality at the end of the day and kind of what you both mentioned, whatever works for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we talked about finding your why. We talked about different types of budgeters, kind of like your identity to money. Let's talk about kind of like setting goals. What does that look like for you? I know in the last episode we talked about smart goal. Um, have you ever heard of smart goal, Sarah? I have. I'm a big pro smart goal type of gal. Yes. Um, so for those of you who don't know what smart goals are, it's essentially um, a way to set goals that are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. And that's the SMART acronym. Um, and from that, I try to, you know, think of goal setting as far as what is it that I want to get to for me. I'm a photographer. I have a new camera that I want to purchase and it costs quite a bit of money. So I sat down and I tried to set out the goal of what is my end goal and it was to get a new camera. So then I have to break it up into different chunks so that it makes sense for me and so that it's measurable. Um, so in that I separated from different paychecks and think of how much am I going to save from each paycheck. I made sure that it was something that I'm comfortable with saving, A, attainable, um, but also something that makes sense, R, realistic. And in that time, and in that framework, I kind of worked towards getting the camera over T, time, and I'm actually very close to reaching that goal. So just to give an example of how I use the SMART goal setting method, um, that's kind of how I approach pretty much any other goal in my life too. I try to make it make sense for me and it just kind of falls in line with the SMART goal setting structure. I love that, that was such yeah. a good example. Oh, thank you. That was great. What about you, Devante? I know you mentioned you've been saving for getting a house and that was a really, really big goal for you. How did you go about setting that goal and what do you think helped you get to the point of achieving it? 
So I kind of came up with a, like looked at houses, came with a ballpark range of what I wanted my budget to be. We didn't stick to that range, we went over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, it was okay. And then I said, well, what's my down payment percentage gonna be? What's that gonna look like? Came up with that. And it kind of came up with just like a realistic amount. Like towards closing time, or like when we really, really started looking, I had to like, oh, we eating beans this week. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I need to put a little extra up. But I'm a big like label type of person when it comes to, I label my accounts with what it is that needs to go in there then I make sure any of my savings things, I hit those first. That pay yourself first is what we like to talk about. And pay yourself first really just means to pay your future self first. So make sure that you're making your savings a priority. Coming up, I was told, you know, you pay your bills first. So in order to rectify that in my mind, I make my savings a bill. And that's the first bill that gets paid. That's really how I kept my discipline in uh, trying to get to my goal. Awesome, yeah. That's a huge accomplishment. What about you, Kat? What's your saving um, methodology? So I'm in the middle of forming a SMART goal. I don't know that I have all my letters to create the full acronym yet, but I've been toying for a very long time with buying a new car. So I'm like playing with like how much I want to spend on this new car. I recently thought I had one in mind, so I looked up like <clears throat> insurance rates for this new vehicle, if I could afford it, what gas would be like, things like that. Um, I don't know, but at the end of the day, I guess I'm kind of working maybe backwards with the smart method. That's okay. Yeah. And I mean, it, it works. I'm not going to like, I know I'm not going to jump into something before I'm ready. A car payment is usually a few years and more than a little bit of money. So I want to make sure that I'm able to fit it into my budget. But I guess kind of looking at vehicles in my price range, figuring out how long I want this car payment to be for, and then if I can afford the insurance to go along with it and all that good stuff. So... Um, so while we're talking about just the types of goals that we set with budgeting and things like that, maybe we should backtrack a little bit and talk about the actual basics of budgeting. Um, so as far as when we have people who actually want to just now get into budgeting, what are some things that they should keep in mind when they want to get started and going that route? So the first thing they have to figure out is how much money they have, right? Like how much what their income is from week to week or month to month. Um, so for that, they should look at any consistent income. You know, you don't want to include like a birthday check you get once a year or, um, you know, some random money you get every once in a while, but this should be like a part-time job. If you have a consistent income from week to week, um, or with a part-time job, it might be hourly. So maybe your hours vary. Um, but look at maybe an average of the last six months or so of what you get per week, um, and start with that. So your incoming money. After you have your realistic and consistent income, um, then you want to take into account all your expenses. So that might, those might be fixed or flexible. Um, are you guys familiar, I'm assuming, with fixed and flexible expenses? A little bit. Yeah. I know what's a fixed um, expense for me. Um, so things like rent, my phone bill, Hulu, Disney Plus now, <laughs> woo um, insurance and things like that. Yeah. Um, what would a flexible expense be, though? So that's anything that might vary from month to month. So what you just described, you can count on the same payment, you know, exactly how it's going to be every month. And that makes planning and budgeting a little bit easier. But a flexed expense might be something like groceries. You never know. Well, you have an idea of how much you might spend at the grocery store, but yeah. it's not going to be the same dollar amount every time. Gas to get to work or, you know, put in your car. 
utilities and things like that. So things that vary from month to month. That, that makes, makes yeah, and it makes budgeting kind of tricky, but at the same time, those are the ones that you kind of have more control over. You know, you can coupon or just spend less at the grocery store, drive less or carpool with friends, things like that. Yeah, and I think it's also going to depend on how you categorize things as well. But I would say at least when you're first starting to budget, really write everything down. Mm -hmm. And even uh, take a month and track all of your expenses and compare them and make sure that your budget is going to be accurate. Yeah. Because that's important too. That's a great tip. Another tip that is a little bit backwards, I would say, so for someone who's been kind of working as a freelancer, just having friends who only do freelance work, just a tip for budgeting with that, um, is kind of working backwards. So as a freelancer, you kind of set your prices, the work comes and goes, and it's really hard to actually have like measurable income that happens every week or every month or so on and so forth. So really putting out your expenses first and foremost um, and then setting your prices that way um, or maybe even knowing the amount of clients you have to take on or the amount of work that you have to do is definitely what I kind of help for because I keep my um, I try to only use my money from photography to pay for photography things so I keep those separate if I can and it really helped for me to try to put out my expenses or things that I want to buy and then from there try to budget the amount of work that I do so I kind of work backwards in that regard hmm, interesting Really good tip. Yeah. Keeping things separate, especially if you have a business or something like that. That is really important. One thing that I also try to do, and this is my first year doing it, was in late September, early October, I opened a one-year add-on certificate, and I just put a little bit in there each month. So for those of you, if you aren't familiar with the one-year add-on, it's a certificate, so it's a higher dividend rate than a normal savings account, and it's a $50 minimum, so not a huge expense in October, and then... I'm able to add to it throughout the year. Um, So I just do like $10 or $15 every pay period. And then come October next year, October 2020, it will mature and I'll be able to use that money for holiday spending this holiday season. And if you're someone who likes to dibble and dabble in your savings and you want to get away from that, a certificate is a really, really good option Um, because there are usually like minor penalties for you. Um, for dipping into your certificate a little bit earlier. I can't really speak for all, but I know some. It's usually you just don't get as much of the money that you save. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that works for all certificates. But it's good to have at least some type of penalty or something to keep you from dipping into your savings if that's something you really want to stop doing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And some other tips and tricks for um, budgeting and recovering from the holidays is redeeming your credit card points. So if you were using your cash back card during the holidays, make sure you redeem those points. Um, return any items you don't plan on keeping. So if you buy maybe a few extra gifts that you didn't end up giving away, um, make sure you save the receipts for that and take those back. Um, having that emergency fund is definitely key because even when you're not planning for holidays, you should always just plan for those unexpected situations. Um, limiting your spending for the coming weeks or months. So let's say you're like Catherine and you just splurged a little bit too much for the holidays. Um, It's never too late. You can always get back to where you were. Um, Just making sure that you're limiting your spending for the coming weeks and so on and so forth. And know where you stand and just be realistic about it. Um, Don't give yourself expectations for budgeting that you yourself can't make. 
know the amount of money that you have coming in and know what that money has to go to. And once you figure out those two key things, then budgeting and saving and even splurging occasionally will happen so much easier and you will definitely thank your future self later. And now it's time for the CU Spotlight. MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union don't just sponsor this podcast. We believe in investment in the community. We recently established another way of helping, the Destor Fund, a foundation supporting the MSU FCU and OU Credit Union communities. The Destor Fund focuses on five philanthropic pillars, arts and culture, stable housing, empowering youth, financial education, and fostering entrepreneurialism. If you'd like to learn more about the foundation or donate, please visit DestorFund.org. Wilder Watch is written, hosted, and produced by Katherine Hurth and me, Devontae Montgomery. Our executive producers are Whitney Anderson Harrell and Lauren Kalarzik. Wallet Watch is brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. You can find more episodes of this show at our credit union's website, financial40.org, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in our next episode.